Hello, and welcome to the Sound of History podcast. My name is Nick. My name is Mika. And this is a podcast where I try and teach music history to my wife. <laughs> That's great. I almost expect you to like come up with something. No. It's, that, just, there is it's no normally just random noises. Yeah. Okay. Actually, I feel like it's that noise most of the time. Well, it's variations. It's like this was while I think about it, and then I just go like, ooh. <laughs> See, that one had like variants. It was like, woohoo. Normally, it's just like, woo. Oh. <laughs> it just like rises and then falls very quickly. <laughs> okay, well. I'm extra in it today, apparently. So now we're going to move in to your favorite segment of the podcast. Do, do you remember the name I of it? I don't remember the name <laughs> of it. I'm actually scrolling back through our conversation to when you texted me the name of it. It's called Mika is the host now. Yes. <laughs> that is what you wanted to title your little segment of the podcast. So <laughs> we are moving into our show within the show. Mika called, is the host now. Called Mika's the host now. <laughs> Put like a little oh jingle in here or something. Do, 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 do. <laughs> Mika is the host. Woo! <laughs> <laughs> okay, that's our jingle now. <laughs> so what do you want to talk about during your show? <laughs> this is your show for the next couple minutes. Um, um, I would just like to bring attention to... So unprofessional from the host. Leave me alone. <laughs> I don't type out my script, okay? That's evident. You're evident. Thank you. Welcome back to Mika is the host now. Thanks for sticking with us through our break. Well, for them, we didn't have a break. I'm just going to cut it out. <laughs> <laughs> You've very clearly never been a podcast host before. <laughs> I have been the podcast host before. I just didn't title it. <laughs> Mika is the host now. <laughs> Now it has all this new pressure. <laughs> it's your title. You claim you came up with it. It was on you. Okay. I would like to take this moment to talk about the new improv kings of comedy. <laughs> Middle Ditch and Schwartz. <laughs> they are now the improv kings because their stuff is easily accessible on Netflix. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. Not even that it's good or funny. Just oh, that it's the best. It's that it's available. It, <laughs> so it, I mean, listen, there might be a lot of other fantastic improv kings I'm of sure. comedy that I just don't know about because their stuff isn't on Netflix. I didn't know about these guys doing improv comedy <laughs> a week ago, but oh my gosh, I'm glad I know about it now. Um, so yeah, best thing Netflix has come out with in a long time. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, is that the end of your... At the end of your show, Mika is not the host now. <laughs> dun dun. <laughs> <laughs> okay, now we're back to our regular show where I talk about music history. Now back to your regularly scheduled programming. <laughs> Thank you for supporting your local PBS station. It's BBS? PBS. Oh, PBS. That makes more sense. I yeah. thought you like messed up BBC. I was like, that's a weird one to no. go to. Okay, so... We're not in Britain. It's been a while since we've done a podcast. So do you remember what we've been talking about? We talked about For the jazz. past four weeks. And the last one was Ella. 
Yes. And we love Ella. We do love Ella. Ella is amazing. Do you remember anything before that? Anything before Bluey. Ella? Okay. Before that, blues. <laughs> no. Yeah. That was before jazz. We had two episodes on jazz yeah. before Louie. Oh. <laughs> nope. We had the jazz age, and then we had early jazz with Jelly Roll Morton, and then we had blues. Yeah. But now we're going to keep talking about jazz, but we're going a little bit into the future. We talked about the jazz age, which was like the 20s to 30s. Ella's career was like a little bit past that. She was like 40s, 50s, and 60s. But now we're going to be talking about swing, which was like primarily a 40s thing or 30s and 40s. It don't mean a thing if you ain't got that swing. Exactly. (laughs) Before we get into that, do you want to just remind us what jazz is? (laughs) What is jazz in your words? Jazz is also improvisation. (laughs) Yeah. Throwing it back. Okay. And... Also, it makes you want to tap your foot and dance around, and that's jazz. (laughs) Okay, yeah, sure. Uh, It's very high energy, very young and rambunctious. Yeah, and inappropriate, apparently. Yes. So swing music is kind of like jazz's younger brother. It's pretty much just jazz, but it's like a variation of jazz. (laughs) Is that like how you like to describe being a younger brother? Yes, I'm a variation, yeah. From the stance of being a younger brother. Yeah, because I am the most complete one. Because obviously they wouldn't have had more kids if the first two were good enough. So clearly I am the best one. And they were like, like all right, fine. A surprise. (laughs) (laughs) Like, all right, fine. We'll stop with this third one because he's the perfect variation. Uh huh. So I think you're perfect. Aw. Yeah. So this episode will probably be a little bit shorter since it's basically just jazz, except a little bit different. (laughs) And we've already covered jazz. So. A little bit shorter. It's jazz wearing a different outfit. Yes. And like sunglasses and a hat to disguise itself. Who is he? <laughs> Do you know anything about swing? Do um, you want to like guess what it's all about? Swing, I can't tell you what distinguishes the musical style um, between jazz and swing, but I did learn how to swing dance a little bit. In high school, because we were going to do it for show choir, and then we didn't, because we didn't have enough boys. Oh, yeah, yeah. that makes sense. It does. Okay. So I guess just like more, more dancing. More, yeah, more predictable slash dancey. Okay. Well, we'll talk about it a little bit, and then we'll see if you're right. I'm probably not. <laughs> I am right that it's dancey. I mean, yeah, that's a very good guess when it comes to jazz and big band <laughs> stuff. Swing is taking us a little bit out of our time frame. I really want to cover what is being born and like developed in the early 1900s through the 20s at this point, and we're going to get back into that with the next couple episodes, but swing is like so closely tied to jazz that it kind of has to be talked about right after it in order to like completely understand where it came from and what it is. Knowing you and how you are as a student, you're going to completely forget about jazz if we don't talk about swing right now. So I am 100% going to forget about it. <laughs> so I'm already forgetting about it right now. So if we like take a little break to talk about country and bluegrass and stuff before that, then you're going to get, you're not going to remember jazz. So we're going to go right into swing and then we'll circle back. The main feature of swing was its emphasis on the offbeat or weaker pulse oh, in the music. Oh, I should have said that. I knew that. 
Swing bands often featured soloists who would improvise over an arranged melody. Swing, at least the more popular versions of it, because like jazz, it had a whole bunch of different people doing a whole bunch of different things with it, uh, was largely a dance music and relied on big brass sounds. So, yeah, you were right. It is dance. Dancey. <laughs> the swing era, the swing era, not era, era, was... Are you just telling us your real opinion about swing? <laughs> no, I like swing. <laughs> but the swing era was when it reached its peak, and that was around 1935 to 1945. That was the little swing window. Some jazz bands were experimenting with what became swing, through like the 20s but really the summer of 1929 was when it first started to form into something of its own instead of just jazz with a little bit of a change this was when the great depression was starting and the jazz age was on its way out since jazz bands were collapsing musicians were widely available for new band leaders to join together like before this it was just like all of these band leaders had the same bands and they would like switch a little bit but they were kind of established and now it's like well, all those are out the window so now there's all these just great like musicians people. to yeah piece together so forming a band during this point wasn't really an issue at all the real problem was the cost of touring and performing with that band it's trying to move around a big band during the great depression when people aren't don't have a lot of money to spend on entertainment sounds like a nightmare tough. yeah it sounds kind of like right yeah, now <laughs> sounds like now <laughs> The general population didn't have a lot of money to spend on entertainment, and the band leaders couldn't afford to pay their musicians and lodge them. But musicians are, music are musicians, so they kept joining and creating bands. Like, that's just what they do. Right. Getting rich wasn't really their main concern back then. They were mostly wanting to join with good band leaders who made good music and paid at least fairly. So they just want to do their art. Yeah, basically. They just, just want to make their art. And it was more about like musicality at this point, too. Because like, in the past you might join up with a band leader who could afford to pay you whether or not they were good. Like, you're going to get the biggest paycheck. This is like, no one can afford to pay me, so I might as well join with the band leaders <laughs> that I like That's and like I, that I want to work with. That makes sense. Yeah, so hopefully better music came out of it. But, I mean, the jazz music was already good, so, you know, mm. whatever. It's personal opinion. But all that basically meant that new big bands were forming everywhere. There were a lot of them. By 1931, these large bands had started to see what they could do with jazz music and where they could take it. They knew the music needed to evolve, so they started to experiment and see what jazz could become. That was when band leaders like Duke Ellington and Fletcher Henderson, who are both guys that we've talked about before. Do you remember Duke Ellington? I do remember Duke Ellington in the sense that the name sounds familiar <laughs> and I cannot tell you any more about him. Okay. I mean, he grew up Washington, D.C. area. He had a residency at the Cotton Club. And I think that was maybe D.C., maybe like Baltimore. I don't remember, but he had, he played at the Cotton Club, and his stuff was broadcasted everywhere, so he was one of the biggest names in jazz. Fletcher Henderson, we've mentioned, but we haven't really talked about. We'll talk about him a little bit more next week. But, yeah, he's he's a big name in swing. But those two guys, and a lot of others, but mostly those two, started to develop a sound that would become swing music. These bands changed the rhythm section from a tuba and a banjo to a bass and a string guitar. That sounds like a better combination. Yeah, you don't want tuba a tuba and a banjo? And a banjo? <laughs> what? This meant that the rhythm shifted from a somewhat shaky 2-4 beat to a solid 4-4 beat. 
Fletcher Henderson also started to develop a call-and-response style between the brass and reed sections, and specifically created interludes that kind of like backed up the soloists. Then the band started to swell, reaching up to like 14 pieces in any given ensemble. Because of recorded music and radio, these big bands were able to broadcast their music across the country, which was also kind of true in jazz, but by this point, radio was more pronounced, like it was more of a thing, so more people could do it. Duke Ellington had his performance at the Cotton Club broadcasted, and the Earl Hines Orchestra broadcasted its shows out of a cafe in Chicago. These bands were smoothing out the rhythm and focusing on improvisation while also broadcasting those experiments to larger audiences. Soloists, like Louis Armstrong, really formed the backdrop of what would become swing. So basically through this, they're just like poking and tweaking jazz music a little bit, but like those experiments, and instead of just playing around on your own time and like developing that, developing a complete sound and then putting that out, like mm-hmm. they're, they're doing, doing it live on air. Yeah. And everyone's listening to the radio, and these guys are huge names, so everyone's listening to them. So that's like so cool. all these new musicians get it'll be like oh that's a cool new little twist they did so then those musicians took that twist and sounds like a lot of pressure too (laughs) yeah but i mean i think at this point people like duke ellington were so big Mm -hmm. didn't really matter like he was just like i can do whatever i want that (laughs) that wasn't a mistake that was what (laughs) i meant to do look at how i'm changing things (laughs) benny goodman who is known as the king of swing but we'll talk about that next week Oh, is he not the king of swing? We'll t- we'll is he another one of those people that's like, I am the best musician no. to ever live? He did not call himself the king of swing. Like He probably did, but he wasn't the first one. Other people named him the king of swing. But some people don't think he should be the king of swing. People think Count Basie should be the king of swing. So our next episode, I'm going to tell you both of their stories, and then oh, you get to decide that. who is the real king of swing. Yeah, I'm excited about that. That sounds fun. Because I definitely have the authority to make that call <laughs> you will after the episode because that's how amazing of episodes i write yeah right? that's true yeah okay but at this point benny goodman was an upcoming band leader in the early 30s that fletcher henderson was selling his music to we'll talk more about goodman next week but he's crucial to the popularization of swing music he started marketing dance music to younger crowds which is what caused swing to skyrocket 1935 saw the dawn of the swing era when but when Benny Goodman and his band started playing on a radio show called Let's Dance. <laughs> Let's Dance was based out of New York but featured five hours of music so that every time zone could hear something. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Goodman's slot was on after midnight on the East Coast, so he primarily had a West Coast audience. Goodman would play Fletcher Henderson's arrangements on the show, which would introduce swing to the popular culture. Like, that was kind of the first show that was really playing what was swing music. Mm -hmm. So, I'm going to play you what I think is a recording of Benny Goodman on the Let's Dance radio show. I'm not sure about it. It was kind of hard to find. But we're going to hope that that's what this is. What else could it be? It could be like some sort of recreation uh, or like a later show that he was on that people just said was Let's Dance. But this like really makes me want to dance. Go dancing. <laughs> In fact, I really want to go do swing dancing like at the park, like by the park and all. But I know that you probably don't want to dance yeah. with me. So. You can take something else. Who else am I supposed to take? Like, yeah. <laughs> 
<laughs> Blakey, we're gonna go dancing. Can you imagine, like, radio being the prime entertainment in your family? Like, you and your siblings and your parents just sit in your den around a radio and just all sit there staring off into space listening to the radio show. No, because Perry would absolutely not be able to yeah. do that. His brain would not sit and listen to a radio. <laughs> I can't even imagine, like, my family doing that. Like, I can't... I, don't know, I just feel like we were so conditioned to screens being the primary entertainment. Yeah. Like the idea of just listening to something. Right. It's crazy. Well, I only ever really listen to things when I'm like doing chores and stuff. Yeah, I, I listen to things listen. by myself. Like I'll listen to a podcast or Spotify or something. But like, like as a family communal. Sometimes. That's More like in the background. Like exactly. Like we're not just like, like doing work and stuff. I'll do that sometimes when it's a new thing. Like a new album from a band I like a lot. Alright, well that was the Let's Dance radio show. I and maybe that. Benny Goodman on it. Swing tended to have a larger band with more musicians than a typical jazz band of the time. As a result, the musical composition tended to be a bit more organized than a jazz band normally right. would be. You can't just have everyone improvising exactly. if there's 14 yeah, people. But if there's like four or five, then... Sure, why not? Right. Band leaders focused on arrangements to stop the chaos of 16 musicians improvising simultaneously. That would have been horrible. The basic arrangement was a very... I don't like the way I ordered this, but whatever. The basic structure was a very arranged rhythm section providing like the bass line. Then a more loose wind, brass, and reed section providing some kind of like melody behind that. Then one soloist who would just improvise on top of everything. That's fun. Mm -hmm. That seems like it works. Sometimes the soloist would pass the baton to another soloist. Sometimes as many as three different musicians would be improvising at the same time. But that's still better than the whole big band doing it. Swing music had a strong rhythm and was very loud. And that led to an explosion of creative dances, primarily out of the African-American community, that would accompany the new, the new music. Chick Webb was a drummer and band leader who led a band in Harlem. Do you remember Chick Webb? It sounds very familiar. I'll give you a hint. We talked about him last week. I was going to say I thought that he was with Ella. <laughs> yes. He was the... Ella played with his band. That was yeah. like her first big break. Right, because he didn't want her because he thought that yes. she was like r really like gross and... Yeah. Well, I mean, she was homeless at the time. Yeah. So his audience was known to be rowdy and featured all-night improvisational dances. That sounds awesome. Mm -hmm. Although Chick Webb's band wasn't known as one of the most influential in all of swing or jazz, it was feared by all the other band leaders. Feared? The theater that Webb played at would often host a battle of the bands. <laughs> so through this, Webb competed directly what? against the top bands in the country, including Benny Goodman, Count Basie, and Duke Ellington. So they would like. Did he come up with the concept of a battle of the bands? I doubt it, but it still would be just so cool to see the, like these two amazing jazz and swing yeah. bands just competing against each other. Yeah. So according to rumor, Chick Webb only lost a battle of the bands once, and that was to Duke Ellington. Wow. But that has been widely disputed ever since 
like ever since that battle, basically people have differed on who actually won it. And Duke Ellington himself said he was just glad he didn't embarrass himself when wow. he went to play. Yeah. Like, that's crazy. That chick Webb wasn't known to be, like, the super great band leader, but he could wipe the floor with anyone in a battle of the band. I wonder if there was how much home field advantage was. Right, right. It's like he was playing at his theater, so people are going to know him more and like him more. I don't know. Whatever. You want to see Chick Webb performing? Yeah, I do. That was his theater, the Savoy Theater. I like it. Cool to go to one of these old theaters. Look back then, it's just big bands playing jazz music and dancing there. You know, I hate that. Maybe you wouldn't have that. Get a bit of that when you realize. Chick Webb was the drummer. You can't really hear the drum section in this song much, but that's kind of how it was. Like the working rhythm was pretty subdued. Chick Webb's friend. Cute. I like Chick Webb. He seems like a fun guy. The dancing that sprung sprung up around swing music in clubs like Chick Webb's became known as, appropriately, swing dancing. Soon after swing burst onto the public stage, there was a pressure to dumb it down in order to draw in more white Americans. Always, yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. There was resistance to the acceptance of swing music in America by the more conservative people. Until around 1939, when Benny Goodman played Carnegie Hall, which was like a landmark moment in the history of swing music. Because Carnegie Hall is like quintessential white conservative America. So <laughs> when swing music can play there, that's when the older people are like, oh, well, I guess it's not so bad then. Yikes. <laughs> and Benny Goodman, we'll talk about this more next week, but Benny Goodman, like he was that guy who kind of dumped it down a little bit. He was like, he was trying to make, he was trying to make money. So he would yeah. cater to the audiences that he could cater to. Some of the younger generation were first exposed to swing music through these soft and popularized, popularized forms of swing. This led to them thinking that swing was just old fashioned big band dance music. It wasn't really until they made it into a real swing club that they could properly, properly understand what swing music actually was. Mm. Also, people thought that swing was all about commercialization and selling music to the public, a kind of light entertainment, like a kind of like the pop version of jazz. So it was rejected by quite a lot of music and jazz purists because they thought it was just cheap. Mm-hmm. In 1941, W.C. Handy, do you remember that guy? Does he have a theater? Maybe. I don't remember. I remember the name. He is the guy who brought blues into the mainstream. Okay. He's the one who discovered blues at like a train stop in Alabama uh, yeah. and then like blew it up. But he wrote, quote, prominent white orchestra leaders, concert singers and others are making commercial use of Negro music in its various phases. That's why they introduced swing, which is not a musical form, end quote. So he didn't like it at all. He thought it was white people ripping off African-American music 
to why sell would it. He, why would he think that? <laughs> it's not like that's there's, ever there's happened before. <laughs> Through the end of the 30s and early 40s, Swing took the country by storm. Because of nightly radio broadcasts from some of the top clubs, everyone was listening to Swing. Benny Goodman and Count Basie were propelling the music to the masses. A lot of the most prominent musicians of the next generation came up through the swing bands, including a lot of like singers and crooners and that kind of stuff. Like Frank Sinatra probably came up through swing. That's awesome. He might have been a little bit pre-swing, Maybe. but just barely. Okay. I don't rem- I we ha- I haven't researched him, so I don't really know when his career was. Apparently, swing musicians were somewhat annoyed by the dancing at the shows. They thought it was random and chaotic, which it probably was. <laughs> but it was all but impossible to have swing music without swing dancing. The two grew up together and complemented each other. Like it's funny that they didn't want they didn't love it. That's yeah. funny. Like it was probably highly unlikely swing music would have skyrocketed mm-hmm. if it wasn't for the dancing. Yeah, the swing dancing. Yeah. During World War II, swing music began its swift decline, with many people calling 1947 the end of swing music, which is kind of a little unfair. Like, I'm sure there's still people out there playing swing music, but I guess the end of of, like swing popularity was probably around then. This could be because as people came back from the war, they settled down having babies and families. A lifestyle of... That meant that there was no fun. (laughs) Well, a lifestyle of dancing the night away at a swing club doesn't mix well with raising a baby in a toddler. No (laughs) fun. Just take the baby. (laughs) This is completely off topic, but I've been watching, like I found a YouTube channel Mm -hmm. that's basically all about like the music I grew up with, like pop punk and like Uh post-hardcore and hardcore and stuff. And they just talk about different bands and stuff from that era. And I got a little bit hooked on it. And I was watching one today about a guy named Ronnie Radke, who was a very polarizing person in that scene. Like, some people love him, some people hate him. There's no one in the middle. And he is he's kind of a douchebag. But, like, at one show, he plays, like, hardcore kind of music. And at one show, apparently, he was like, you'd have to be an idiot to bring a child here. But if you did, throw them into the middle of that mosh pit. <laughs> What? <laughs> like, there's that clip in the video. It's just like, what in the world? <laughs> like, I mean, obviously he wasn't serious, but still, like to even say that and risk someone taking someone, you seriously. Someone, yeah, like, thinking that. Okay, like here we go. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, that's just what that reminded me of. Off topic, but whatever. That's funny. Swing records were pretty much relegated to the attic of these new developing families. Also, smaller bands playing rhythm and blues became more popular because they were more profitable than large bands. Easier to travel, mm-hmm. easier to pay five musicians instead of 18. Mm-hmm. Eventually, swing died in the face of rhythm and blues. Wide audiences got a hold of rhythm and blues in the 50s and turned it into rock and roll, which basically killed off swing completely. By this point, jazz was even giving way to bebop and other styles of music. So this episode took us a bit out of the narrative and a little bit forward in time, but swing is so tied to jazz we had to talk about it right now. We talked about that earlier. And we'll pick up other styles as we move through the years. Like, we'll see what happened with jazz and blues in the 40s, but we won't really talk about swing again. Like, this Mm. is just kind of, this is swing. I like swing. I want to just get it all out of the way where it made sense, too. 
Next week, we'll look at the two biggest names of swing, Benny Goodman, who is called the King of Swing, and Count Basie, who many people think should be called the King of Swing. King of Swing. And we're going to let you decide who is the real swing king. Me. You're the real swing king? Yeah. I don't <laughs> I'm just going to go ahead and say, no, you're not. <laughs> it's you. Okay, okay sure. No, no, I'll no, take no. that. It's the cat. It's Ajax. Okay. Specifically Ajax? Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, I mean, that's swing. You said it was loud. He's the loud cat. This is true. He is the loudest cat in the world, probably. Anything like you want to add about swing? Dip back into the Mika's the host now show. <laughs> no, no, that's at the beginning. All right. Well, Listen, fine. I said my piece. Okay. So what do you think about swing? Yeah, I really want to go swing dancing now. I think that I am, I guess that means I am you the like it. white, dumbed <laughs> down, yes, you're whatever, the like that's, swing. yes, like that's what I think. I think you would really love like one of the more tradi- like Chick Webb's band theater. Like I think you could go there and really love it. Oh, absolutely. I'm not going to be like, oh my gosh, this is too much. But <laughs> I guess considering that the white commercialized whatever they want to say about it form is the kind that we probably still yeah, that's true. have around right now. with Like, like the, the Michael Buble style. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Michael oh. Bubble. All right. Well, we do have like a, a club here, like a swing club. Do we? Mm-hmm. And we have that like dueling we pianos have, or have something, a, which no, is like a jazz club. We have a club that does swing night. Oh, okay, that makes more sense. Yeah, we have a dance club that does swing. Well, night. right now we have no clubs. That is true. Which I'm very sad about. I don't you're care sad about clubs. That you I, am I was going to say you're sad you're missing out <laughs> on your dancing club. <laughs> I am sad I'm missing out on bars and live music. I and really sports. miss shows. Yes, sports a lot, but I really miss going to live music events and i hope to have those back soon yeah me too all right well, well let's end on that bummer of a note <laughs> you can follow us on social media yes, and we'll post that. a cute picture of our cats instead do you know our social media handles um at twitter it's what's the name of this podcast don't <laughs> tell me <laughs> Sound that's of a history. good slash shut up <laughs> it's called mika is the host now <laughs> that's what our show is <laughs> No, I'm trying to say it for real. Sound of history underscore on Twitter because yes. you're so pissed off that we had to do the underscore. And then yeah. every Annoyed on is a better word. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And then um, on Facebook, it's just sound of history. Yep. Woohoo. Yeah. Leave us a comment, a review on iTunes, on Facebook, on whatever you want to do. Let us know what you think. If we made any, if I made any mistakes. In this, let us know on social media, and then we will add you to the correction corner. Yeah, because I don't make mistakes. I think it's just Pretty understood sure. that everything you say is a mistake. Hey, <laughs> whoa! That was mean. I didn't All mean that. right. That well, was a joke. I'm going to go hide in the bedroom now. <laughs> Bye, everybody. Join us next week to talk more about swing. <laughs>